Hello and a very warm welcome to this week's Super 6 podcast. I cannot believe I'm saying this. I'm Laura Woods and today, once again, I'm on my own in this podcast. I cannot believe it. Bioconfirmer last week had an extra long ice bath and this week apparently he's been called into extra training because his fitness levels are a bit low. So I totally understand it. You know, he's got a full-time job and all that, but um, he will be gutted when he realises who we have on this week because um, it's somebody that I reckon equals him in terms of the loudest laugh on the circuit and perhaps the biggest personality. Um, I'll tell you who that is shortly. Um, but before I reveal that, um, a reminder for you, as this is the Super 6 podcast, of course, um, and it's Easter weekend, there are now going to be two opportunities to play Super 6 this weekend. So one on Friday and another one on Monday, which means you've got two chances to win £250,000. So get yourself involved. More details on that later. But now it's time to introduce a very, very special guest invite a friend to join the super six through refer a friend and you can win an extra twenty-five thousand pounds if they win the jackpot you can invite as many as you like for a bigger chance of winning download the app today 18 plus terms and conditions apply Okay, let's get into it because today's guest has been breaking hearts and making us smile ever since he burst onto the scene way, way back then, becoming the uh, youngest ever England defender to earn himself a cap. Uh, without further ado, let's welcome to the show, Mr. Micah Richards. Hello, Micah. Hello, Laws. How are you doing? You all right? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, before we get before we get started, I'd like to say congratulations on your award for presenter. Uh, yes. That do honest, you know what? Honestly, I thought I could, I could come on now. She's worthy of me coming on. I know. You had to wait, though, didn't you? He was like, wait till she just gets to a certain standard I can accept. Oh, she's an award winner. Brilliant. I'll come straight on then. Yeah, book her in. Apparently, you want to come on next week as well. <laughs> Look, can you see? I didn't even mean to do this. It's there. Can you see it on the mantle? SJA, you know what? Fair play to you. You did. You deserve it. I told you how many times have we talked now. I don't <laughs> know. You now we've got a. You know, this is a podcast. It's about something else. But it's about you. About, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be but about like, you. I tell you how good you are all the time. But now, at least you can believe it. Now I'm going to get a really big head, aren't I? <laughs> Michael, I know. All right, give me a break. I'm going to stop returning your calls and all sorts. <laughs> right, I'm absolutely buzzing that you're on the show today um, because you pretty much have been at the top of everyone's list since day one. I mean, how long have I been trying to get you to work with me on other things? And you're always like, genuinely, I'm not even joking now, but you're, you're so busy, but it's great to see. Like, it's really, it's just, it's one of those exciting things. You must feel now that, Everyone must want a piece of you, Micah. It's, does it feel like that? Yeah, you know what? It, it feels a bit weird. Well, no, it doesn't feel weird. It feels... So basically, what's happening to me now with the punditry, and I'm not talking about how good I am, it's just everyone wanting to do things. So when I first came... Well, you know, you always laugh, burst on the scene. But when I came onto the scene when I was younger, and I was playing for England at 18, and everyone wanted a piece, Laura, and it was like... So I've I've gone through like having great people around me to so many life lessons, hangers on us and all that. And now I'm I'm in a, a similar situation where like everyone's asking me to do this and like people are taking offense me saying no to certain bits and pieces. And it's not it's not any disrespect to any of them people. It's just I'm a little bit more guarded in the what I want to do now. And people think I work loads and stuff like that, but I actually don't. BBC, I was already with. Sky um, I, I came after that. And then CBS, and they're the only three I do. I do little bits and pieces 
for other people as well. But in terms of punditry and whatnot, yeah, we do stuff outside of the, the punditry stuff that we do. But yeah, they're the only contracts that we got. So when people like say, oh, you don't fancy you're too big for it, it's nothing to do with that. I'm just a little bit more guarded in what I do. But you've you've earned that right. And I know what you mean, because the thing is, with social media nowadays, it looks like you're everywhere, doesn't it? It, it, it? Because it's like you've got a picture here, you've got a picture there. Really, if you add up your hours, probably the same as a nine to five. It's just yeah. that what you do is is projected and shared. And that's what kind of gives that impression. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I just think, I, I just enjoy it. This is not work for me, Law. To be honest, like, I, I don't get nervous about, you know, when people say, oh, like, you go on camera and you're never nervous, you're laughing and joking. I don't get nervous. Like, going, being nervous is playing, like, in a final or something like that, you knowing you've not won a trophy for so long. And that's the pressure. I don't see this as pressure. I just see this as, like, the best job in the world. Uh, and, and that's why you see when we, when we work together, we're just like, it's relaxed because I don't I don't feel no pressure. Obviously, you want to get to a certain level where you can improve, and then I can't just be like because one of them things where when you first come into someone, people are love you or hate you, and then I've got people liking me at the moment, but I need to be able to then well, what's the next step? How can I improve? And that's going to be the I think the tough tough task for me. That's interesting to me as well because what you've just mentioned about your career and about how you felt that hype before and you felt that feeling of everyone building you up and it's almost like you've got in the back of your head it can be ripped away from you so quickly so does that almost make you I don't know maybe add into your experience a little bit and, and make you kind of think like what you're saying don't rest on your laurels make sure you're always improving and trying to get better that, that's exactly it because how many ex-footballers or you know you're, you're a presenter how many people would love to have our jobs the best everyone be working, you know, because everyone loves football. And the good thing about football is no no opinion's wrong. It's it's their opinion. So whether people like what we say or not, it's our opinion and no one can take that away from them. So there's so many people with such an, in a privileged position. And that's why I just enjoy it. I, I don't think about uh, the, the negatives. Like we're, we're one word from being sacked on, on, on TV or radio or whatever. One word, if you think about it, like, if you thought about that, you, you, you know, you, you're regarding what you say, one word from being it's, sacked. I think about it all the time, probably more than I should. Every time I start a show, I think I'm going to go and do hours of research. And then in one swift moment, I could just destroy everything. I could, it's like a, it's like a house of cards, isn't it? And one little card just got to pull away and then you're done and that's your career. And it's like, it's this interesting thing of cancel culture as well, isn't it? Because now it's not just what you say on air, it's how that then translates to social media, who sees it, who shares it. And then it's just like a wildfire. It's terrifying. But in a way, do you kind of, do you kind of like that a little bit as well? I, I, I like, you know, I like thinking <laughs> on my feet. I, I really, I just, that's just my personality. I'd love like, a banter, I'm always looking for the next step of what, what you know, can I have a cheeky little line or, um, but you have to be careful because it is, it's clickbait in it out there. It is, you say one thing wrong. I remember saying a, a, a couple of things um, and I don't, I don't want to talk about the, the racism thing because I've obviously had the documentary and I've done that, but I said something and then, you know, the way I worded it, people not saying what I said was wrong, but the way I, I worded it, there was seemed as, or he's a sellout, or is it? And I was just yeah. like, oh my God, oh, one word or one or two words are taken. And I think that is the, the difficult part. But 
as long as you learn from it, and like you said, as long as you grow, like I'm I'm a grafter. I love I love love grafting. I love like so I'm always watching games anyway. So I, I sort of like that sort of spontaneousness about it. I would mm. I would say, and it's always football's always got entertainment. So you never know what's going to happen, and and that's what unpredictability is. I love the most. I'm going to bring you onto your broadcast career later on and more about it um, and how that fills what would be a void from leaving football as well, I imagine. So we'll, we'll, we'll discuss all of that and also your love affair with Roy Keane, which really I wanted to start with, but I felt like, you know, we'll, we'll build ourselves into it. You know, we won't go in too hard on that yet. Um, let's take you back to the early days because you're a Leeds boy, essentially, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a Leeds boy. Everyone thinks I'm a Manchester boy. I went to Manchester when I was uh, 14. 14, 15, just leaving school. I left school a little bit. I think I was going to school three or four times a week. You had to do your GCSEs and all that sort of thing. But I'm <laughs> from Leeds. I'm from Chapel Town in Leeds. So, like, it's, it's like, I'm a tough boy. Everyone thinks because I'm always smiling and joking and laughing and all that. But I have got a, I won't say a bad side, but more of a temper. Temper side. But no one sees really? it because I, I, don't, I don't need it. I don't, I don't like it. I don't, I don't. So, when, when do you call on it? If someone's being disrespectful, if, <laughs> <laughs> if someone's like, there's always a line that you don't need to cross. You know what I mean? And I don't, I don't, I don't get to a situation where that ever happens. But I, I respect everyone like that. If if someone's done something wrong to someone else, that's not they've not affected me. As long as you, I respect you, you respect me, and that's it. So I, I grew, I grew up in an area where we're known to to look after ourselves. Yeah. So City really is is where we know you from, obviously. So you were 14 years old when you moved to Manchester City. So you didn't play for Leeds. How did it come about that you that you went to Manchester City? Like, tell us about what happened there. So I, I actually, well, I did play for Leeds, totally wrong, right. But I was there for like a three, three to six months period. My mum's cousin is called Cecil Pod. used to play for Bradford. He was doing some role at Leeds United, um... And he brought me there, and I was I was I was training there for like six months. I I say I got signed, but I, I wasn't really signed to be honest. So then I was Leeds. I went to play for Leeds City Boys after Leeds United, and that's where all the that local starts, like Oldham and Manchester and all that sort of thing. So I was at um, Leeds City Boys. Then while I was at Leeds City Boys, I got scouted for Oldham Athletic. And I was there from eleven to fourteen. And then one of the coaches from Oldham Athletic went to Manchester City, and that's how I ended up at Manchester City. And it was just honestly, they were they were great days, you know. I, I love I love them days because that when I say I love them days, it's like it, forget the pressure a minute, just the enjoyment of football. And I and I see these kids nowadays, and then you see the parents on the sideline. Everything's about oh, can I put my son, daughter, whoever it may be, on Instagram, show what they can do, but the enjoyment has gone out of the game. And that's what I, that's what I don't like. When I was at that age, I just loved football. And I still love it now, but I lo- I just loved it. Did it feel like football back then was just a lot purer than it is now? Well, way purer. I mean, you're always going to get the parents on the sidelines shouting, but it's just, it was just a good space to be. Like, I know these kids now, and with what's happening with society and COVID and whatnot, they can't go out, but, we just used to go to the park every single day. Like, we didn't used to go on holiday holiday during the summer. Just used to go to the park every single day, play football. Like, they're all on games and everything's on, like, social media. And I feel like they missed out on all the great things that they could have in their life. And that, that's a bit I miss as well. 
I feel a bit like expectations are higher for younger people. So at younger ages, your expectations of yourself are so much higher because you have a window into social media where that person's got a car or that person's doing that. Like I used to go camping when I was a kid. Like I loved it. I don't think I went abroad till I was about 15. I think that was like Spain or something like that. And I just didn't, that was all I expected and I loved it. And I I couldn't even imagine growing up now and being young like we were once and and having social media to kind of go, oh, like, why don't I have that? Why am I, why don't I look like that? Social media is, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, you see, um, someone was raising some money the other day for his, for his daughter on, on Instagram. And he, yeah. And he was like, and I put on, I put on my, my socials was like, that's a great side. He raised what, when I last looked, it was like 1.4 million within a day. Incredible. That Incredible. Is, ridiculous so we can't just say it's all bad it can be good when it need be but you're totally right like you know what can I even have who's got the biggest house who's got the best looking girlfriend or boyfriend it is tough isn't it because and and we, and we can sit here and say me and you now we can sit here and say oh, oh we wouldn't be like that but we would be like that because oh, we, would. we would we, <laughs> yeah, we would and, that's... and we definitely have the best looking partners. <laughs> I was the right ugly little kid. <laughs> I definitely didn't have the right. I didn't even have a partner, let alone a good looking one. I think it took until I was about 25 for someone to fancy me. <laughs> Just joking. Let's talk about the way that City changed while you were there because it had its a monumental shift, probably the biggest shift in its history when Sheikh Mansour took over. But, but you were around for all of that and the managers, and I was looking at the managers that you've played under. Stuart Pearce might just be my favourite man in football. I just think he's a gentleman. What was he like as a manager? Oh, honestly, I, I mean, he, he was the nicest bloke to me and, and honest. He gave me my debut at 17. And I can't, you know, thank him enough. I can't put into words what 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 he means to me as not just as a manager, but as as someone who would looked up to. Because obviously, you're what a year above me, so we would right. we would have we would have seen Stuart Pierce, but we wouldn't have seen him in his like we wouldn't have seen like we seen uh, games today. We know who he was. But if you go back and watch his videos, how good of left foot he actually had. And he loved the tackle. And he's called a psycho. And then for him to give him a chance, that was, it was just a great feeling. And he was the manager who actually had the most faith in me out of everyone. Out of absolutely everyone, he had the faith in me. Because when we had the, um, he gave me my debut, then he took me to the Olympics. And then he gave me, he had the England manager job for a couple of games and he brought me back into the England squad. So that is total faith. And to be fair, and, and the 21s, forget the 21s. I didn't let him down, by the way. I didn't let him down when I played for him, by the way. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was definitely what I was going to ask you. He had all this faith in you. Did you repay it all? So there was a time where... I, I felt so he was a 21s manager or he was he was a manager I think it was a 21 manager and he came back to Man City or something and I think I was first team then or he was he was manager of someone but then like I think he, he wanted to speak to me about about something but I'd already left so in terms of on the field I did everything I could do but off the field I didn't realize until like after he finished like 
this this man was an absolute diamond to me. And I couldn't even wait 20, 30 minutes after training to see what he had to say. And it, I, I mean, it's because I think I didn't want to be like the teacher's sort of pet. You know what I mean? I think that's what I was thinking. Mm. But yeah, in terms of on the field, yeah, we, we had some great time. He, he got me into the England squad playing for, 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 for Manchester City, like I said, the Olympics. 21s championships we got to the final as well and then he brought him back for England so yeah I, I, I think I repaid him but it was it was all down to him giving me the chance in the first place you've got I mean you can go through Sven Goran Eriksson as well Mark Hughes all those different managers um which I think are all interesting guys in their own right really um but I want to talk to you more about when the club started making these big signings and and these top talent players came in and what they were like, who were the ones that you looked at? And because a couple of them weren't necessarily big names when they joined, but have become incredible players, as we know. So who were the ones that came in and you were like, wow, I'm sharing the dressing room with these guys? Well, the first one, and you, you probably know, once I think the takeover was in 2008, we got Rubinho. Rubinho. He was the one, because he came from Real Madrid. And I was like, he couldn't be possibly coming to us. I couldn't, I couldn't believe he it. lost. You've seen how many times people have been taken over and a talk a big game. So don't forget we had Shinawatra beforehand and he invested in some good players. But when we had uh, Sheikh Mansour and, and, and Cal Dude as the chairman, this was a diff, different level. Then Rabinho starts rocking up. Then after Rabinho, we had like people like David Silva. And like, we didn't know too much about him at one when he first trained. You just knew. Then who else we had? Yaya, Torre came. These are like ridiculous players. And I'm here, like, I've just come through the youth. So I made my debut when I was 17. And the year before that, I was playing like under under 16s football. So I went from under 16s to make my debut, then to playing with these like legends of the game all within like three, four years. Couldn't believe it. I was picturing That's myself, mad. me. Picture, I went to I went to um, play for England. So the year before that, I was playing under 18s Youth Cup or under 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 16s Youth Cup, whatever it was. The year before, make my my debut next year or that same year. But then I'm playing with David Beckham like the year after. So I'm like, what? What is going? What is happening here? It all happened too quick. It really, it really did. And then when them players come. And then more players started coming at Manchester City. Then more. And then I was just like, this is that I knew it was going to be a force then because it wasn't just like one or two players. It was like three, four, five. And every year, we just got better and better and better. And I've got to give some some love to, to Sheikh Mansour and, and Kyle Doon purely because people think they're just the players we got, but what they've done in the community around there, how many jobs they've created as well, the new training facility. It's frightening. And everything that he said he would do he's done apart from one thing and you you, you know what is it is a champions, champions league of, of course the champions league mm. so fingers crossed this year is it going to be this year michael oh. do you think like with, with your pundit hat on for a second mm-hmm. and and being like impartial and i know that you're quite good at that <laughs> you are <laughs> do you do you <laughs> do you think that given the draw as well Compare because it's not the easiest side, is it? Like, so, so given the draw that Man City have got, do you still think they can do it? You know what? 
this is the hardest question as a pundit. I have to ask. On paper, yeah, you'd think, of course I can do it. Why Why not? I don't know if it, they've got a mental block. Because the last time we got to the semis was with Pellegrini, and, you know, mm-hmm. years ago. So Guardiola, we know he can win it because he's won it before. He didn't, he didn't win it with Bayern, though, which was a lot of people um, had a lot to say about. I believe they're in the best shape possible to win it this year. But if they beat Dortmund, then they're coming up against Bayern or PSG. So it's like, and I know you've got to beat them if you're going to win it anyway. But I think if it was one game in the final, we, we could. I just don't like the fact that if we beat Dortmund, they've got they've got Bayern, they've got Bayern or PSG. Look, no matter how many people say you've got to beat everyone in a competition to win it, you don't. There are easier sides of the draw. There are easier teams to play against. It's the luck of the draw, essentially, isn't it? And if you're a Chelsea and you get in Porto, you're feeling a lot more smug than if you're Man City right now, aren't you? 100%. And you know, Chelsea, Chelsea are dark horses, you know. I did a piece, I did a piece a couple of months ago. I was like, oh, it's a disgrace, Frank Lampard out the door. And then Tuchel come in, I'm like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh. You know, the they conceded like two or three goals, and then they beat the beat the beat Porto. They're the, the, the semi-finals, and they've got Real Madrid or Liverpool that other side, and they're not particularly playing well. Next minute, they're in the final, and you know Chelsea, the champions. Honestly. I was in that camp, Michael. I was one of those that went on radio. This is despicable. You can't just sack Frank Lampard. Who are you going to get in? And then all of a sudden, Thomas Tuchel, I was like, oh. <laughs> and then, then you see what they're doing. You're like, all right, I see. Yeah, I get it. Like, maybe you're not so mad after all. But look, you can still, you can still have those emotional connections, can't you? You can still love a manager and hate the way that they've been treated, especially if you're a Chelsea fan and he's an ex-legend. So look, we're allowed to be right and wrong in these circumstances, aren't we? Um, but I want to bring you back to, to Man City. The first big, real sort of landmark win you were involved with the FA Cup final against Stoke. What year was it? 2011? Yeah. yeah. Tell us your memories. 2011, so... That's like 10 years ago, Micah. I know, it's crazy. Getting old. It just shows how old we're getting, doesn't it? It's ridiculous. Doesn't it? <laughs> I, uh... Not that I played in it. <laughs> I remember it, like, it was one of those where City had not won a trophy for 40-odd years. And I don't, like I said, I never get nervous. I got nervous in the derbies and then, like, maybe a final, mm. a little bit. But not really. It was more just, I don't excitement. It's hard to explain. You know, when someone asks you, what does it feel like? It's like all your emotions in one, like one minute, like, yeah, you want to prepare right. So then, like, all the rituals come in. Make sure you, you pattern this, you pattern that. What film am I going to watch? All these come into it. So it's like everything is, like, just times 10. So you're over-exaggerating everything. Because everyone always asks you, what's it like? That it's like yeah, it's like basically studying for the exam that's going to get you a um, your job that you need, but you're you're just doing too much studying. You're overthinking things, so that's what it's like going into uh, a final. And then I was thinking it's Stoke, like, but Stoke, Stoke were a horrible team to play against. Like, just a, not a bogey team. Wigan was our bogey team, but you're thinking if everything goes all right, we'll be fine. We've got the players to do it. And, but you know what you do. As players, you start looking at their, like, strengths rather than, oh, we're going to beat Stoke, it's easy. You start looking, oh, well, who have they got up front? Is it Kenwin Jones? Is it Walters? Is it Crowell? Whoever it was at the time, then who, who, who am I playing against? Was it, I think it was Ellerton, uh, Ellen, 
Everton? Was it on the left who I played against? And it was quiet that game. So like you go with, like personal battles. But then you're thinking, oh, it's, it's only Stoke. We'll be all we all right here. And yeah, the game only finished one nil. But then because I came through the academy, law, it was more special for me that to, to win the trophy. I actually I could get what the fans felt. Because when I went to Man City, I didn't know if I was going to make it or not. He didn't know what the, 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 the environment was going to be. I wasn't like a wonder kid. I was good for my age, but I was never like a wonder kid. So you never know how it's going to turn out. But then to win it, the trophy, it was like all your emotion comes out. And I'm, I'm not really an emotional person, but like you, you want to cry, you want to laugh, you want to dance, you want to drink. It all comes together. Uh, and because like we was always in Man United shadows, it's like, finally... We can become our own. And that's that's what it felt like. Did it then? So, I mean, the Premier League and, and that moment uh, against QPR, Aguero, all of that stuff that just that just seems to, I still think now with Aguero, we'll talk about Aguero as well, with him saying that he's leaving City at the end of the season, we go back to those moments and I still don't think there is a moment really that matches it for the timing and what it meant and the, the circumstances of what it did to your neighbours and all these kind of things. Like, it was just so perfect to be involved in something like that. What, I mean, what was that like? You know what? It was it was bittersweet for me. You know, I'm always honest. It was bittersweet because I'd played the majority of that season, played in the sixth war, played a, but I got injured. My hamstring, did my hamstring about six games to go. So then like, Zabba, like, uh, we was we was rotating Champions League, whatever whatever it was. So we had that uh, bond. We know if one's playing Champions League, we're going to play play. I played majority of Premier games that season, but I missed that one important game. And I was Mancini at home always played me at home because the way we wanted to be like we attacking and, and whatnot. So I'm thinking I'm I'm definitely playing, but because they're not lost in that last period of games, it was a bit. He didn't want to change it and like make a mistake. A bit superstitious, I, I would, I would, mm. I would say. But even why I was more devastated, Lawrence, because normally the game would be up two, three nil up, and then he'd put me on. We'd go to a five at the back. So that's why me and Zabaleta played because if one of them started, as long as we went up, was winning. If it was one nil, it would throw others on. But then what happens in that game? Do you know what I mean? Like it's just so topsy turvy. So like when people ask me about that, it. It hurts to start with, but then it ends great. So being being in, in not playing, it was all about me to start with. But and then who who scores the first goal? Zabaleta. You know, just just to, just to, just to stick just to twist the knife a bit more. And then I, you know, I'm on, I'm on the bench. I'm like, I'm winning the Premier League, but my my my, my rival and people can I don't care what no one says. Person who's playing your position is your rival. I don't care what anyone says, it's your rival. He goes and scores, but he's a lovely bloke at the same time. So it's like, yeah. you know, what, what do you do? But then obviously. You're just completely torn. <laughs> I was torn. I was torn. You're, to- you're just torn sitting on the bench, torn. But I can, I mean, I can't, I could never understand it. But in the same way, essentially, it's like, that that fire in you that makes you disappointed, not not just disappointed, but feeling a bit bitter at the fact that you're not involved and you want to be involved in one of the biggest moments because you know it's and all the work that you've put in to get there as well. But essentially, that is what makes you a sports person because you're competitive. Exactly that. That's what. Without that, you you wouldn't get to the the Premier League or the the level that that you're at. You need that. I've always been a winner, and 
I always backed my ability. Sometimes too confident at times. I've always backed my ability. So then, like, when I wasn't playing, it's hard to accept that. A lot of people don't, can't fathom what, what that means, but it's like, well, a lot of people say, oh, you want X round of money, you won a Premier League or whatnot, but, but how did you win the Premier League? What, what was your involvement in that? What did you give? What you Did you play a real part? And I played, a, I played an amazing part in that season, but it was just that game, and that was the memorable game that everyone talks about. Oh, did you play that? And I was on the bench. Oh, I was on the bench. You know how many times I have to say, I, I, you know what? Sometimes I just say, oh no, I didn't play. I, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't involved. That I was. I've just said. I've just started saying I was ill that game. Do you know what I mean? Because then I, I have to go on on tandem and, and talk about it for 10, 15 minutes. Well, I played in the six-one game, trying to protect myself left, left, right, and centre. <laughs> So yeah, you must uh, you must get it even more this week now that Aguero is going to be leaving. You must like I mean obviously I've just done it, but I had to do it. But like you must be getting it from all sides. All sides, all sides. (laughs) But it ended great. It ended great. I was I was great. I was um, happy. I got to witness that because, like you said, it probably never ever happened again. We see the Leicester story. What they did Mm. was just well, never thought that would happen. And then to score in the last couple of minutes of the game. We never thought that would happen as well. So, yeah, to be a part of that squad. And Aguero, we, you know, you mentioned that we're moving on to Aguero with all what's happened this week. Like, he's going to be the last, I think he's the last member of that that team, that, that first Premier League yeah. team. That's weird, isn't it, to think of it like that? It's it's sad. I was, so basically, I was on radio. I was on radio when, when the news broke. And Sir and Sergio's been texting me. I mean, asking him how he's all he's all right and whatnot. Because when we have to um, lockdown, we'll go for some dinner and all that sort of thing. And then when it came, I was like, I was like, you know me, I'm always laughing and bubbly. I was just, mm. I was devastated. I was there was no point in me doing the last hour of the show because I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't process it really. I mean, I, I know it sounds stupid and it's not that, but he's he's. There's people who make a mark on clubs and he was like a real, genuine, world-class superstar legend of, of the game. And not just Man City, like of the Premier League. I know you'll sit there with your Arsenal hat on and talk about Henri and this, that. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was Arsenal growing up, so I can sympathise with Why you. Are you? I, I, was, I was Arsenal, I was Arsenal. So I can sympathise with you, I get that. But to see that end of an era after all what he's done and given for the club it was it was hard and I, and I think the timing of it was harder for me to accept as well because you know they're still in four competitions and then to announce that now it's like is it gonna cause a little bit of unrest in the camp why do you think they did announce it then I, I think it would have because you know what it's like with agents and clubs and, and, and whatnot mm-hmm. it's hard for people to sit on that information for so long, isn't it? Especially when you've only got six months. Right? He's, he's only 32, Aguero. I think he's he's born in June as well, he, so he'd be 33. And we, everyone talked about how well Cavani's doing. He's only 33. He's got at least two two years at a good level left in him, especially. Mm. Uh, he could have played at Man City. So I think they just did it so then they could stop any rumours coming out or any stories coming out as well. And it just Sometimes it's better how bad the news is. It's just to be the one to break it rather than someone else finding out and then them having to come out and doing the statement. Mm. That's what I think anyway. 
Is this right? Did you assist Aguero's first City goal? Of course I did. This is what I'm trying to say. You need a statue for that, don't you? This isn't Aguero, there's Jekyll. There's many more. There's many more that go down, you know what I mean? I'm going to have to start rolling back some some videos out there because it's like people people are talking about the the, the modern day... I, I, I invented that modern day <laughs> fullback marauding forward. That's what the birth... This is where the burst came from. Marauding forward. <laughs> I, I actually, I might start a petition so Aguero's statue should be that first goal he ever scored for City with a little statue of you assisting in the background. That would be comes as a comes as a one. pair, it, doesn't it? it? It comes as a pair, you know what I mean? Batman Robin. <laughs> so the next Premier League title came and um, in terms of the world conspiring and, and, and helping you out, um, it came in the form of Steven Gerrard with his slip, Denver Bar getting in on goal and, and Chelsea basically doing you a massive favour. Um, how special was that title and how, how obviously everything else afterwards had to happen but it's funny, isn't it, that, that a lot of the world pin it on that moment because it was Liverpool's to lose. It was so... It, you know, if there was one person who deserved the Premier League, it was Steven Gerrard. So when he when he slipped, I was like, wow. Because especially he had the, in the huddle as well before, wasn't he? I think it was after another game. This will not slip. I said, this will not slip. And it was... I couldn't... I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have wished that on, on, on anyone because... He fully deserved it. What he did with Liverpool is just, I don't know if it'd be, and people talk about like, everything's about what we win. Of course, it's what you win, but how he galvanized his teams and like when they was like down and then bringing them back, even the Champions League, <laughs> it was just, he, mm. proper character. But like when that happened, we just, we just, we just knew then it was, it was our time. We knew it was our time. But again, you talk about bittersweet. I didn't even win. I, I've got the medal, actually. I've got the medal here. I've got the medal have here. You? Let's have a look. Sure, no, that's number one. Wow. <laughs> I love that. Oh, whoops. <laughs> that's number two. Look at that. so, but, so this is 13 14. So basically, what happened with this one, I didn't get enough appearances for, for the actual medal. So I. How many do you need? Five. Five. And I was injured that season. And then I fell out with Pellegrini. Because, again, we talk. I think I'm talking about Zabalat. So basically, we do. A game at halftime. I was coming back to fitness. He brings me off at halftime. And put, we was losing the game. Put Zabalet on laps. And say we always win in the second half anyway. To go and win the game. So I come in. I'm like, absolute disgrace. blah de blah de blah And they just dropped me from the team for about five squads. But it was fully deserved. Fully deserved from me. I threw my toys out the pram. Um, and then, like, I felt like going insane to him. Like I need three more appearances for a, for a, for a medal, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to seem desperate or whatnot. Mm. But yeah, I was. I was, It was again. We went on the on the pitch afterwards. You know when the I went to company and, and, and sell names and hand out the Premier Leagues. But I was staying in the um, in the changing room because I didn't want to come out. I said I'm not going to accept a medal that I've not done anything with, especially after the how I felt in the first one. But I went out there and then they shared my name and I just remember the comment was saying Michael didn't get one because he's not playing. It was the most embarrassing moment of my life. Yeah, they, they say that because... Uh, no, he wouldn't say it badly. They say he doesn't qualify because he's not got his five appearances. And it's just like... Oh. Don't you think that's a bit of a draconian rule? Like, why? Like, yeah, it's part so, of it. This is what I mean. So if you play one game but score the, the goal that wins you the title do you not you're not 
eligible for a, exactly. for a medal. Up. If Aguero hadn't hadn't featured in that entire season and then and then scored that goal against QPR the first time, exactly, but they've gone kind of exactly. So I do think and it, he did get brought down from ten to five with I think Alex Ferguson did that, and he should be he should be able to make five appearances, but because I've been injured and whatnot, like mm. I, I play, it's not just what you do on the field, it's what you do off the field as well. And some people say, oh well, you're just trying to claim. I'm not trying to claim it. I don't want it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not bothered about the medal, but I just. For like the, what I went through, my injuries and whatnot, to be then said you're not getting a medal because you've not played a much on the pitch. I think it's a little bit, it's, it's hard to take, to be honest. Hard to take. Yeah, I can totally, I can totally get that. Should we do England? Because this is where we, you know, we laugh about that, you say, burst onto the scene, because obviously you and Roy Keane and that big conversation that you had. Um, but I want to talk to you about this because you call up for England, youngest ever defender to win a cap. You beat Rio Ferdinand. Um, what was the call? So I ask questions like this to guys now that when they get their call ups and it's either a call from Gareth Southgate, it might be a text from Gareth Southgate. What was yours? Um, it was a call. I was in Mosside in Manchester at the Barbers. <laughs> and so he rang me, and he probably, I think the story's been out there, but he rang me and said, oh, you've uh, been called up for, for hi, Mike, uh, Steve, you know, you've been called up for the national. I put the phone down. <laughs> because, and, and, that, and that, that, that's genuinely a true story. That That is not even banter. I put it down because I, there would be no talk of it at all. You know, it's you know normally like when a player is getting in there, whatnot. You got like a club might tell you or the journalist, but there was no. To- it came out of nowhere. So are you, and you know what I'm like. I I'm always laughing and joking. So the people I used to hang around, we're always we're always messing around. So I thought it was just one of the lads from training. So I put the <laughs> phone down. Then it rang back again, but the run with withheld number. That's why I thought it was a prank. So he rang and then said, "No, he's serious." So. I'm just like in the in the in the barbers. I'm, I couldn't believe it. Eight, 18, you know, eighteen. The year before, I just made my debut. Now I'm 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 in the England squad, and to get that call, it was weird because I put the phone down, but it was just the best, one of the best feelings ever. It was just weird. It was just weird. It was just weird. Like in a, in a barbers with no one like telling me potentially you could be in the squad. Do you know what's weird about when you say like 18? That's nearly half your life ago. Sorry, not to rub it in, but like... Thanks, thanks for reminding me. Half my life what, as well. What, 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 was, what, what was you trying to do there? I well, because what, what I was trying to do there is when you think back at when... When I think when I was 18, the amount of, or I should say, the lack of responsibility I had in my life. And obviously I went off to uni and all that sort of stuff. But to be tasked and trusted with representing my country and and then having to deal with everything that comes with that the media and it was different then to what it is now isn't it like in terms of the the scrutiny the attention all that sort of stuff that you get I just don't know how I would have dealt with it and the reason I say it's nearly half your life is because now that you're almost double that time on not quite obviously a way off it's still but like now you probably feel like you're only just really hitting levels of where you feel like an adult so when you were 18 that's like how it must have been exciting, but also was it was it a bit scary? You know what? I was I was fearless at 18, you know. I didn't care about anything or anyone. I didn't I had respect for people, of course, but I was just I was just fearless. And that's what enabled me to just go and do 
or go and play with with them. And I was I was playing well uh, club form. I don't I don't know if I was playing at the levels to be called up to the senior team. If I was being totally honest, but then managers see the the future, don't they? And they wanted to see how I've done. But like I went in there and I ended up just like. And then when I talk about David Beckham, like I was starstruck. I was starstruck of of David Beckham. Stephen Gerrard, just Rio and John Terry, they were the ones really. Mike Michael Owen as well. Michael Owen was, he was, he was a big deal, wasn't he? Mm. So I went there. And I was just, I, I, I was pinching myself, but I didn't allow myself to 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 show. Well, I didn't allow people to see that side yeah. of me. You just go out there and show people what you can do. And I, like what I always said, is go back into interviews with me. Like I, I genuinely believe, when I was fit, no injuries, and um, in form, I, I, I believed I could play against any fullback or compete with any fullback in the world. That's that's the confidence I had back then. I, I was just because I, I could defend one on one, but then I could go forward as well. So it's like, remember, like I played for for England. I played like nine games straight in a row from eighteen to nineteen. Like and that normally when you go in there, normally you go in as like, oh well, we'll we'll build up your minutes. And don't forget, people need to understand that context is key. You got Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, Ashley Cole. You have Gary Neville. Um, I think Wes Brown was around the squads then. You got Joe Cole, Lampard, um, Gerard. You got the full squad. You got the this is this is England when it's like impossible to get in the squad and I'm in there and I'm just like fearless so yeah it was it was daunting on, on one fit because I was starstruck of these names but on the other hand I, I, I didn't care I was I was fearless back then what were they all like were they quite welcoming did they quite like you being around and having that attitude yeah because I, I didn't show I didn't show it to to them like so when we go like in like if someone was going for snacks or dinner or whatever it was, I was always polite. I was more, shy. but on the field, I turned into some like Hulk. Like I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm quicker than you. I know I, I might not have the same positional play as you because I'm just, just like new to this uh, level of football. But I know I'm faster than you. I know I'm stronger than you. You know, I'm, I, I know I can, I'm, I can, I can tackle as hard as you. So the, the like, the, the liked my. Um, my attitude on the pitch mm. and then I tried to sort of tone it down off the pitch but like and I, I've i told it before but you know Steven Gerrard he gave me his boots for his first ever training session didn't he? Did he? Like, I know a lot of people I've, I've said it before but some people might not, not have heard it so we was going out and the kit man who looked after the boots at City he's put two left he's called Les Chapman put two left in in, and I'm, I'm thinking the first day of training, no. like I've not even got my boots. Oh. Steven Gerrard's, you know, he's uh, just to your left. Doors, uh, yeah, just to the left of me. And I said, I'm so sorry to do this, Stevie, but the kit man's put two left boots in there. Can can I borrow it? He give me his boots. 
Wow. I was, I was, I was sensational in training. Felt like I was Gerard. I was <laughs> pinging balls. The lot. <laughs> oh, oh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Oh, that is amazing. Who were like, out of those senior players, was there, were there any that put an arm around you and looked after you or that you particularly were quite close to in comparison to the others? You know, JT, I know he's had, you know, he's, he's, he's good press and he's bad press, but for a new player coming into the squad, John Terry is always the most welcoming all the time. If you need anything, he's, don't, my number, you know, this is my number, this is my room that's number, give us a call. He just, he just that, that's just the way he is. So, like, he's, um, Rio Ferdinand was always, he's more like uh, one of the lads, isn't he? What's happening, bruv? You know, I, I, I do. You know, that that sort of thing. So they just make you feel welcome straight away. Ashley Cole, I used to go on holiday with to 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 LA as well. So I knew of him a little bit before we we, we, we linked up. So it was it was mainly them three who took me under the wing in terms of the the senior uh, players. But David Beckham was the nicest out of everyone by far. He was just the most. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I just, I just couldn't believe it. I was in awe of the. I was in in awe of the guy. Okay, so I want to move you on a little bit from England because um, we talk about you know like, I mean you played under McLaren. I'm looking at your your stats as well. Thirteen caps, one goal, eleven appearances under Steve, Steve McLaren. How I mean, in terms of his his management and the way that he is, I've heard from different people that he is an excellent coach, like a really like one of the best coaches. Is that true? Top notch. His best best sessions by far. The camp was happy. He the the, the training he did for defense, he would split it up at times as well. So a bit more fun for the strikers. Go express yourself when you get into it. Explain what he wants from the session, but then you could be creative with that. As the defenders, he would remember one time he pulled me. He said, Oof, "He touches a bit off today, you know. He touches a bit." And I was like, "What? What do you mean?" So then everyone's getting on on the bus. And then he pulled me to there and he just started firing balls at me. And it was embarrassing because he's like, oh, like, like, like I'm doing extras. But don't forget, I was only 18, 19 or whatever. So you have to accept that you're not like the, the finished article. But it's it's the attention to detail is what, what he had that made him a great coach and understanding what he needed. And it's just, if he would have had someone alongside him who could be a little bit more ruthless in some of the decision-making, it'd be a perfect partnership because he's one of the best coaches ever. And you'll hear all the players, if anyone said he's not a good coach, you might say he's not a good manager, but no one will say he's not a good coach because his sessions are some of the best I've had and I've played under some, some great managers. Let's talk about the end of City because um, before you moved on to Aston Villa, you had a little trip to Italy. What was that like? Did you learn? Did you learn the language? What were the good bits and the bad bits? Un pochino. Vite in Firenze. What does that mean? What does it mean? You're saying something rude, aren't you? No, Italy, brilliant. I don't know. It feels like I'm, I'm talking too much, so I'll try to get these out quicker. Um, no, no. This is what this podcast is all about. You've got to talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Florence, I shouldn't have left. I think I should I, I think I, I never regret anything in my, in, in my career and in my life because it is what it is. That's the way I see it. But I was living in Luca Tony's apartment 
overlooking Ponte Vecchio Bridge. Google it when he finishes. Ponte Vecchio Bridge. Ponte Vecchio Bridge. And, and they've got like the, what are they, the gondolas, what do they call them? Or like yeah. going through down there, down there at nighttime, you've got the music playing. And it was just, we have having wine before, um, like we have a game on a Sunday, on Saturday night, we're all having dinner and wine together as a team in the team hotel. It, the, the weather is gorgeous. Everything about it was just the, the best. I don't know why I, I, I left. I, they offered me a deal, but because I was going on a free at the end, I didn't want to commit to that deal. So then it wasn't playing me as much because I wasn't committing to them, even though I was going on loan, which, which they knew. But they wanted a little bit of value if I signed a deal, basically. Um, and then I knew the Premier League was calling and I just wanted to give it one more try in the Premier League. And that, that didn't exactly turn out well, did it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Because you signed for Aston Villa. And I mean, how did you kind of personally take being relegated and, and, and how that hit you? Because I suppose you're used to, with Manchester City, a period of growth. And then to, to feel that, how did it affect you? One, when I left Fiorentina, I wasn't the same player I would be in that city for years just because not only was I had about five operations on my knee, I started picking up hamstring injuries. So I had two hamstrings and then a, a last one just before the season finished. So three hamstrings at Fiorentina. But like there was like 10 days or weekers, you know what I mean? You get one in an international break, but then they'd be cleared up, but you're not fully healed. So when I went to to Aston Villa, I thought, I spoke to the medical team and said, these are my problems, this, what, whatever's. Spoke to Tim Sherwood and for the first, while Tim Sherwood was there, didn't miss a game because I wasn't training as much as everyone, kept you under. So I thought this was a match made in heaven. He wanted to play out, was playing some great football, was signing some good players. But then obviously Delphi goes and Benteke leaves, Ron Vlaar leaves, free spiny team basically. So then, I come, I started off hard, I feel good shape, and then the change of manager and uh, Remy Gard come in, and he and he was awful. I'll be honest, you know, I'm, you know, I say I was, it was awful, but not only was it awful, my form was awful too. So and everyone else in the team was awful as well. So it was collectively shambolic, you know, married up with the fans booing us where the confidence is drained even more. So it was like, it was just a recipe for disaster. And from being like Premier League winner to be relegated, I'm glad it happened though, because it made me see from both sides and it shaped me as a, as a person. I got so much abuse online and whatnot. You come here, you're supposed to be a leader, you've been this, that, you took us down, you was captain, this, that, and the other. I had all that sort of stuff, but... And it, and it was a time where I was borderline... Like, so my, my auntie... Uh, mental health so I and uh, my brothers have mental health so I've seen it throughout the years so mental health to me was like someone who's just like you, you're speaking to them, but they're not all there or they're acting a certain way but because we didn't we didn't speak about things back then yeah. you know what I mean so like now like I know mental health goes deeper than that it's you know anyone can have mental health not just because you're acting a certain way or you're not in the the, the 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 hospital where they used to take my brother and my auntie. And I, and I realised you can't actually have it by just the way you're feeling. And just because you're not showing it to someone, you can still 
have that mental health. So I was just above that depressed line in my in my in my book. But it taught me a lot of things. It taught me to enjoy life, to embrace it, to embrace all your opportunities. So I'm, I'm sort of glad I went through that. So now, now I can say, well, I've been, I've been there. Well, make sure you do the stuff that makes you happy, not, not to get back there. And football, for all the good things it has, it has all these bad things, and that was the bad part. But I don't, I don't regret it one bit. Well, how do you feel about Villa now? And, and when you look back at that time. I, 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 first interview I did uh, was actually with uh, Adrian Durham on on your on your stuff on on on, on top sport. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and I said the first thing I did was I apologised to the Villa fans. I apologised because they didn't see the best out of me. I signed a four year deal. I played the first season and then I my knee wasn't in a great state and I tried to let people know, but I didn't come out and say anything in respect for them. So I still love Villa, I, and there's fans who have stuck with me through the whole thing, uh, Villa fans that is. So I, I love Villa. I love all the players there. You, you know, Jack is one of your one of your mm. favourites too. I, I, John McGinn, Jack, Henry Lansbury, Mark. It's a nice Bunn, team, I, isn't it? It's just just great lads. How could I not like them? Uh, and and I think now that I've started to speak and come out in the media sort of thing, people have started to realise, oh, he wasn't as toxic as 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 he made out. Maybe the players well as we, we thought, but in terms of how he was in the dressing room, we couldn't understand why he was around. So that was a good thing. It was being able to change people's opinions of me. That's what I do like about the stuff that we can do now. Yeah. Well, let's get on to that because punditry really, I mean, if anyone's going to have a, an amazing player career, that's one thing. And, and to play in the Premier League and experience everything that you've done, because there are great players that don't manage to win things and you've done it and you, you've always got that in your locker and no one can take that away from you. Transitioning to punditry, I always think I've worked in TV for about 11, 12 years and I've seen players who are excellent players not be able to transition and also not really given enough feedback or help to help them progress because it's it's quite brutal, isn't it, in in, te- in television, in broadcast, in general, radio, any of that kind of punditry work, it can be quite brutal. I don't think I've ever seen though as swift a transition of someone who just literally just comes off the playing field, goes into punditry, but almost creates, it's not like you've created a new style. It's like, it's just your own style. And that is the only thing I remember working with people in the past. And once I figured out how to be a presenter, which is equally difficult in some sta- in some stages, I remember speaking to um, to pundits and um, Clinton Morrison was one of them actually. And uh, he was like, well, I was asking him for advice. And he was like, well, let me ask you for some advice then. And I remember the only thing I ever said to Clinton, and here's me being like way too young to be giving him advice, way too inexperienced in, in, in life. And I said, the one thing that you can only ever do is, is just completely be you and be unapologetic about it. Don't change anything about the way that you are, the way that you speak, your language, because it's you and it makes you up. And I feel like you're kind of one of those pundits that just did it naturally and, and, and really enjoys it. Yeah, I think people are always going to take advice. So him asking you for advice, that, that's only normal because you're like, when I, I mentioned the people who are like, and I've told you to their face, I, I genuinely think you, you're one of the best out there. Now you've got awards to prove to, to, to prove me. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I, I don't put you on the spot, but all it is is I, I I love football 
and I have personality and not everyone's gonna not everyone's gonna take it to me. Not and but what people don't understand behind the scenes is like I I work I, I've always like old Man City if you go back to Man City video TVs, it's it's all me on there anyway. They don't want me to so I, I've been doing this for a while and I'm more of the I can be serious. Like I bought a documentary about racism. I can be as serious as as need be. But football, in my opinion, is supposed to be fun. And all I see of the the ex players, all they do is want to talk negative. It's like they get a kick out of being negative about players. I'm like, well, hold on. It's just run by five players, and you're talking about the defending. What? How, how is that even possible? And I feel like sometimes. It, it went a little bit overboard. So when I went in there, I thought, you know what? There's a, I won't say gap in the market because that's, that's not the right, but there's, there's an area for actually a bit, be a little bit more lighthearted and talk about the positive things. And people might not accept it at the start. People might not accept it, but they might think, oh, actually. So it was a bit of a, and I don't tell people this. It was a gamble. It was more a gamble from me, really. Like mm. I was, I think it was the first time I was on with, with, with Roy Keane and whatnot. But forget what I said when it was live. It was what was happening beforehand. I was, like, I've got a, a good way of being able to get the best out of people in terms of making them feel, like, relaxed. So then behind camera, we was all laughing and joking. And people laugh and joke, of course, do, on behind camera. That's where it all happens, but... It was like I was feeling them out. Do you know what I mean? So when I was on camera, then they wouldn't try to destroy me. And that's and that's what people tried to do. People career have been ended within 30 seconds because they've said the wrong thing. So I'm behind the scenes gauging how far I can push one another's <laughs> buttons. And that's that's what that's what I'm doing. So then when I got on the skin I'm like, actually, I can say that to him and he's not gonna react in a way. Everyone expects him to react. I do think it takes a certain person to be able to do that. First of all, to be brave enough to do that and then carry it out in general. But but what people don't see, and I'm glad you brought that up behind the scenes, because sometimes those studios, television studios for football shows can be really, not stuffy, really tense, even when the football's happening and you're watching. And those, I've, I've watched those studios all my life. Like, you know, where you're behind the camera and you're you're working on, on production and you're watching people when they're not on air and they can be really tense. And I think, like, when people say you're a breath of fresh air, that's easy to say on screen, but you're also quite a breath of fresh air off screen when you're just in the studio because you do relieve that tension. And, and I think people kind of go, yeah, you're right. We are talking about football and it is brilliant. And yeah, what that person just did there was an excellent move and a brilliant finish. And, and why don't we focus on that rather than where was the defender at that moment in time? Which of course is all fair game as well. But I do love that relationship between you and Roy. And I was really lucky actually when we did the Carabao Cup semi-final. <laughs> oh my God. God, I was, I tell you what, I was absolutely bricking it when I saw his name on the script. And I was like, hang on a minute, Roy's been, nobody's fucking Roy's been booked. I was like, I've got, to, I've got to sit next to Roy Keane. I was terrified. And then when we got there, I mean, you'll be able to tell everyone, he was so charming. Like, what a lovely guy to be around. I, I loved it. I wanted to keep standing next to him. That is exactly 
Yeah, like a lot of people ask me about Roy outside the world. I don't, I don't know Roy outside the world. I don't, I, I don't, I don't ring him. I don't, I don't text him. I don't, I don't you know. Oh, I, make I, it up. I don't <laughs> make it up. We want to know. <laughs> and it's behind the scenes in there. He's just the nicest, funniest. Like he's so sharp as well. He, he, he's on it, and I think once football sort of clicks into gear like that's when his passion for the for the game comes so when he's talking about certain bits and pieces on air I, I, I don't people start to think oh is it a facade is it real that's that's his general passion for, for the game so that is all real and everyone's asking what's he like what's he like I was like honestly he's the nicest guy I've ever met I don't, I don't know what you want me to, to they're expecting me to say oh he's, he's this and he's that he's the nicest guy ever he really is I think sometimes, especially when I was a bit worried about it, is because um, you can still come up against, in in terms of being a woman in um, football, you can still come up against, um, I would say, people of a generation that might question why you're there. And and it does still happen. Not very often, I have to admit. And, um, and you worry. And you probably worry for more, like, there's no reason to worry, but it's just in your head. It just is. So, um, so when I was going to work with Roy, I, I wondered, I, I thought, is he going to try and kind of suss me out is he is he going to try and challenge me on things you know is he going to put me on the spot and, and make me earn my stripes which actually I don't mind I mean I'll be terrified but I don't mind it you know because I, I, I would rather earn your respect and what I found with Roy instead of any of that was that he was so willing to just teach me things and and it was and it was while we were watching the game and and certain things would happen and I'd go all right and he'd say it and then I'd go why and then he would explain it to me and it was just it was so refreshing and I wasn't scared after that. I was kind of like, oh, great. Like, we're a team and it was really nice, isn't it? I just really enjoyed it. That's exactly what you, you need as, as a team. Like, a lot of pundits go on there, but we should be a team. We're going on to put the best analysis and the best entertainment possible. I don't... Yeah, it's great when people argue because that's entertainment too, of, of course. But when it was just, it was just us three then, like we've got to make it as as good as people want. So if he was offish with you, or you don't know how to be, it wouldn't it'd come on, come across on air like Translates, that. Translates, doesn't it? Exactly, yeah. exactly. But yeah, he's honestly, I, I can't speak highly enough of him. But I do count you as one of those people. Actually, I, I count you as one of those kind of pundits that likes to lift other people up. And I notice you doing it with everyone. I notice how supportive you are, you are with Scotty as well, because Scotty comes up against some some horrific stuff. And I've only ever seen you be publicly supportive of her in such a wonderful way. And it's um, it's really heartening to see, actually. You know, it's it's, it's tough because at the time, as I mentioned, like she's she's a woman in a man's game. And, and she's black as well, so it's, it's, it's two. And, that, and that's why I, I have to, and I'll stick up for, for Karen Carney, the abuse that she's had. I'll stick up for you. And, and I've sent you a message before, you, Karen Carney, and, and Scotty and Matt, because I, I have to try and protect you, not because you're women, because there's people who out there who are narrow-minded, and just because you're a woman, they might have not even seen you work, whatever, the same thing is just because you're a woman. So I need to educate these people. No, they're there because they deserve to be there. End of story. I've said so many ridiculous things on camera. Like, I've got away with, with, with certain things and certain analysis because I'm 
I'm a male. If that was a woman who had said that, like we've seen with with with, with Karen Carney, and she did, she got it wrong. She got it wrong as all we do. But there's no point trying to sugarcoat it. She got it wrong in what she was saying then. But we all we all get it wrong. It's just at that point, and I and I, I just feel like I have to. I feel protected of not just women, everyone, because I know how hard it is to succeed in this in industry, and that's in the, sh- in the short term that I've been work. I've worked with so many different people, and I can see people people being nervous, people worried about what to say. I said, just relax and be yourself. What will be, will be, and I just I feel like I have to to sort of protect Alex so much is because, as well, she's so good. And all the stuff that she gets is just nonsense. It is absolute nonsense. And like all, all everyone, not just you three, who I'm protecting, all, all the people who are in the game now deserve, deserve to be in there. And if we all get that period, don't we? Year two, three, might be five years. If you're not good enough, at some point, you will get taken off. But it's about giving people a chance to show what they can do. And pe- the thing is, though, people don't like change. That's the problem. Yeah. People don't like to see change. And then when change is happening and then when people actually start doing good, people don't like to see it. That That is the problem. It's not nice, is it? I know exactly what you're saying, it, but because I feel like that as well. Change, people don't like that initial feeling. They might then get used to it and then it's all right. And it's like, oh, the world didn't finish. You know, it's fine. Um, one thing as well, just before we move on, on, on Scotty, is I always think that, that people underestimate how difficult it is to go into that studio, sit next to Roy Keane, Graham Souness, might even be Jose Mourinho when he was working for Sky, and give an opinion that might be different to theirs. Like, would you ever do that? Would would anyone ever have the balls to do that? Not just do it in general, but do it on national TV. And I think that you... It's so hard to understand it unless you've actually been in that room and experienced that feeling. But she does that week in, week out, and that you can't you can't underestimate that. That's that's incredible strength, I think. Yeah, you can't underestimate. But what one thing you can do is Mourinho was experienced manager, Graham manager, player, uh, Keane manager and, and player as well. But what what thing you can do, like? You're young, like Alex is younger, so she'd been involved in more a modern game. So she could talk about what 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 people get it twisted, Laura, is you don't have to compete with what they do. You have to give your experience of what, what it is now. Like, she, yeah, she might not play the man's game, but she can go do a research and be better prepared than some of them that will be on there. They can say something because they, and they get the respect because of who they are, not necessarily because they've done the homework. And that's the difference. So as long as Alex or any woman or whoever's on there is well-prepped, then your opinion is valid. And tell people, don't try to argue with them. Let them have their opinion. You give your opinion and have have it backed up by something that you generally know or have, 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 have studied about. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If you've lived it. No, you're so right. Okay, before we let you go, um, just three choices for you to choose from here. This is um, when players are at their full fitness and their full strength. It's an either-or question. Ruben Diaz or Virgil van Dijk? I think uh, Ruben Diaz has been brilliant. And, you know, I've got to be impartial. 
what Van Dyke has done over the last couple of years has been incredible. So I've got, I've got to say Van Dyke. I've got to say Van Dyke. Okay. Ilka Gundogan or Bruno Fernandez? Oh, well, this is this season. This season, yeah. Gundogan has been <laughs> different level. <laughs> if you're asking me who would I want in my team, I would pick Fernandez. But okay. this, but this season, Gundogan has come from from nowhere. And he's always been a good player. Don't get me wrong, but he's never been a this. This is his best goal scoring season. So, so wait, what are you saying? Uh, Fernandez. Fernandez. Okay, fine. Phil Foden or Jack. Oh, Lewis? you see, I knew you was gonna do this. <laughs> I knew you were gonna do this to me. I knew you was going to do this. <sighs> I can't answer it. You can't answer, I can't it. answer it. It's a, it's a tie. It's a tie. Honestly, it's too hard. I think. Who would do better in an England shirt? <laughs> oh, this genuinely, this is the hardest question I think I've, I've ever. Just think: the sooner you answer it, the sooner you can go home. <laughs> technically, already home, but I'm going to say, at this moment in time, yeah, forget season. At this moment in time. I think Jack Grealish has just... I think Foden's got the ability to potentially be better, maybe. But I think at this moment in time, I'm taking Jack Grealish. I can't believe you said that. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't win. I couldn't couldn't win. I couldn't win. So out of all of of the Manchester City players, you haven't picked a single one of them. (laughs) We would If it was this season, we've already said Diaz would be getting in there, 100%. But we're talking about... I've got to be honest... I can't believe I've not picked one City player. But you, you knew what you were doing with these questions, though. You knew what you were doing. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> right. On that note, on that absolute bombshell, um, Micah, we will let you go. Um, that was just wonderful. Thank you so much. We've waited for ages. Did not disappoint. Did you enjoy it? I loved it. You know, we're the, we're the best. SJA is Excellent. best. <laughs> Micah thank you so much we can't wait to see you back on the telly and listen to you on the radio and see everything else you're doing well done in your column as well I actually quite enjoy it yeah it's, it's decent isn't it yeah, it's decent really good really good alright Micah take care see you later thank you much Lars There you have it then, Micah Richards. We have been trying to get him on for ages. Um, so chuffed he came on. Such a brilliant guy and and really lovely actually to hear all those memories about being a footballer because even though we know he's a footballer, I just feel like we associate him now with, with being a pundit and it's so easy to forget those playing days. Um, anyway, brilliant to have him on. I know Bio will absolutely be gutted that he missed it, but hopefully Bio will be back next week. Uh, it is time to look at the Super 6 fixtures for round 46 and this week we're going to need to be quick because because all these fixtures, they're taking place on Friday and there's tons of football across the weekend. Premier League returns on Saturday as well. We've missed it dearly. Uh, so there's actually going to be another chance for you to play Super 6 on Monday. So two chances to win £250,000. Download the Super 6 app, create an account, play for free by predicting the scores of six chosen matches. And those six chosen matches taking place on Friday are these ones as follows. So I'm going to give my predictions and then you guys can go and give yours, tear mine apart, do whatever you want. Bournemouth Borough, that's the first one. I'm going to go for a Desmond here because I just, I cannot split them. And my stepdad is a Borough fan. So I feel like if I ever say he's going to lose, um, I'll be in trouble. So I'm going to say 2-2 for this one. Preston North End at home to Norwich. Norwich, I think are unbeaten in about 10 games. I can't see past a Norwich win. So I'm going to say 2-0 for that one. 
Watford. Um, Watford doing pretty well at the moment. They're taking on Sheffield Wednesday, so I'm going to say... Oh, I'm going to say 2-0 to Watford. Uh, Cardiff against Forest. Forest in a bit of trouble. I think I'm going to go for a 1-0 win for Cardiff here. Bristol City taking on Stoke. 1-0 to Bristol City for me. Sorry, Stoke fans. And then Derby winless in about nine uh, against Luton, who I think have won the last two. So I'm going to say, this one was hard as well. I'm going to say Luton 2 Derby won, so a win away from home from Luton. What am I doing? Anyway, remember, when you've entered your predictions, you can challenge Jeff as well. And if you beat him, you could be in the draw to win £500. Okay, that is it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. A big thanker to Micah as well for joining us. Don't forget to get your Super 6 predictions in and look out for that extra round on Monday. We are on Twitter and Instagram as well. You can follow us. It's at Super 6. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please hit like and subscribe and then it just automatically downloads so you don't have to bother with it again you can just listen to it whenever you want and if you feel like it give us a five star rating and review only if you mean it though I feel like you'll mean it after that interview with Micah anyway we'll see you next time lots of love 